It's time for JT the Brick. Just win, baby. The countdown to Canton is on. Got a Super Bowl ring as a player and as a coach. And I mean, just what the impact he had on the game. Uh, I agree with you. He should have a bust in Canton. Tom Flores. We know what has to be done, and we know how to do it. Charles Woodson. Intercepted by a flying Charles Woodson again! As these Raiders are inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, we honor them on Raider Nation Radio. Silver and black means a lifetime. A lifetime of uh, excitement and joy. Overall, it was a great journey. The countdown to Canton is on. Here's your host, JT the Brick. Welcome back. Hour number two of the show. JT live from inside the Raider facility in Henderson, Nevada. And we are brought to you by our good friends at Sam and Ash, our personal injury attorneys. You've been hearing me tell you they're my personal injury attorneys. They're JT's lawyer. Put their number in the phone, 702-820-1234, because you deserve what's right. If you get into an accident, you should have a personal injury attorney in your phone already. No need to shop. We'll give you our team, Sam and Ash, SamandAshInjuryLaw.com. All right, a bunch of things to get to today. I'm inside the Raider facility So we should have some phone calls coming in inside the Raider facility. We're on in the facility. We're ready to roll. So I left this hour pretty much wide open to talk to Raider fans on the first day of training camp. My 23rd season with the team, normally I'd be up in Napa today and tomorrow when I'd be doing shows. I have fond memories of walking into the lobby in Napa and getting my lanyard on and going through the hotel and seeing the players playing ping pong, reporting, then going out to the field in Napa and watching practice, then going to an incredible dinner to one of the great restaurants in Napa and one of the bars there, and then come back to the Napa Valley Marriott and see, you know, just friends, people who work for the team, people excited about the start of camp. This is different, but it's so unique because as I drove up today, and I haven't been out here for a couple of weeks, and I drove up today, and the amount of construction that is going up with the Aces new facility and the buildings as an Amazon building next door. And I'm looking actually out from inside the Raiders radio studio through the glass, and I'm looking at construction crews and big pieces of heavy equipment across the street from here. I have no idea what they're building. But this is incredible. What's going on on this side of town in Henderson, thanks to the Raiders, thanks to Henderson in general, this place is exploding from here to the M and back. So everybody who's out here, and when we get an opportunity to have fans out, at practice, you're going to be blown away. The facility is five-star. So as soon as I got here, I had to get here at 6.15 in the morning. So I left my home on the other side of town, and I got here, and I took my first COVID test. And I'm only just sharing this because COVID such a big story in sports. So I come in, and I take my COVID test, and I have to sit to the side because it's a rapid test. And my wife said to me, what was it, two days ago, how do you feel about your COVID test? And I go, what do you mean? She goes, well, we went to Garth Brooks, and we went to Florida, and we went to two airports, and this and that. And I go, I I feel fine. I feel great. She goes, I know you do. I'm just asking you. And she was asking me because last year, the anxiety that I had, anxiety that I had getting tested twice a week throughout the season on Monday and Wednesday was real because I felt healthy, but we're talking about pre-vaccination at one point. So every time I took the test... I had no idea what was going to happen, and I would have been in protocol for 14 days. I would have had to miss two games, two pregame shows, postgame shows, the whole thing. So that was really difficult last year. You know, not mentally where I was beaten down, but the anxiety was real. 
So I end up taking the COVID test today, and I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. And literally 10 minutes, boom, right on my phone, I passed. I'm negative. And I was able to go out to the practice field. And I went out to the practice field with the rest of the media that was here, Ed Graney and Kevin Bollinger, and I saw Paul Gutierrez and a bunch of guys, Deshaun Reed, and we were talking on our way out there. And it was just great to see, you know, the sun is up, but it's not screaming hot yet. And to see the players out there going through drills. And then the first guy I see is John Gruden, and he's just going in between all the players. High five, slapping guys on the back. He, he was so energetic this morning coming out there. So I watched about the first half hour of practice, and I bump into old friend Peter King, who happens to be in town, and I'm sure he's writing a big, big Monday morning quarterback on the Raiders coming up. His column is fantastic, comes out every Sunday night, and we started talking about the team, and I'll leave it for his column because he was talking about what he was looking at today and the offensive line and Leatherwood, and he interviewed Mike Mayock, and Peter was in a great mood too. He just came off vacation in the Bay Area, and he was excited to come to Vegas. And I said, Peter, what do you think? And he says, I can't believe this. I mean, state of the art, looking around at this facility and what those practice fields outside look like. So then the Raiders broke into their position drills, and then they had drills for a while, and then you know they ran some offense and defensive plays. Derek Carr looks fabulous. Nicholas Morrow really jumps out at me. Carl Joseph did today. Obviously, I spent a lot of time with the offensive line on that side of the field, taking a look at them because... You know, when you have no more Rodney Hudson and there are a couple other players that aren't here, it's a big question mark. But the offensive line to me look really good. Richie Incognito looks fantastic in shape. Denzel Good and John Simpson are going to be competing for the right guard position. And then Colt Miller, all he is is steady Eddie over there. Does every drill perfectly, gets a drink of water, goes back, does every drill perfectly. Raiders are really fortunate to have him. We'll talk about some of the battles that I see coming up on the defensive line and so much more. And then a little bit later on this hour, as I talk to Ed Graney about it, cover of the sports page today in Vegas, Knights trade flurry. All-star goalie became face of Las Vegas' first major sports franchise. Ed Graney, reality bites. Moving flurry was the right call. I'm going to save this newspaper because I save newspapers. I'm still at that point where I was a kid where I saved certain newspapers. I'm going to save this one because of the cover picture of Flurry taking the ice for Vegas and what he meant to this community. 702-365-9200. Always put him to the front of the line because he always delivers. Chris in West Oakland. Hey, JT, how you doing? First off, man, sad, sad news about Dusty Hill. I've seen probably seen ZZ Top at least a dozen times live. Never disappointed in... I tell, especially once live music gets rolling around again, all these icons we grew up with, JT, they're all in their 70s now. We ain't going to have them around much longer. So if, if you're having doubt whether to go see somebody in concert or not, go do it because who knows how long we got these national treasures around. Condolences to Dusty Hill and his family. As far as I heard what you were talking about, the Raiders, players you want to see put on notice. For me, it's three guys in particular, JT, and I'll go in order. Number one, Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs was drafted number one, I mean, the number one receiver drafted. He was here to blow the lid off the defense. Nelson Aguilar is now gone. Aguilar did last year what we were kind of hoping Ruggs could do. In order for this offense, after the changes they made on the line and losing Aguilar, Henry Ruggs has to step up and make huge plays 
if this offense is going to carry this team, especially early part of the year. And the other two, I'm going to list them together, JT. It's Cleveland Farrell and Jonathan Abram. Farrell, number four draft pick overall. He's already moved positions around. I don't want to hear about coordinator and scheme. This guy continually gets dominated by single men up front. He's not a double-team guy. He's not a difference maker. He has to step up and at least be above average or he's going to be a complete bust. Same thing with Jonathan Abram. You know, number one uh, first-round draft choice. You've got to step up and do more. You've got to start finding the football. You've got to stay under control because you cannot continually miss on your first-round draft choices, JT, like the Raiders have done over and over. So if this defense is going to make a leap next year, those two guys are going to have to play a huge, huge role in it because if they play the same way they have, I don't care who the new coach is, you can only make up for a lack of uh, talent on defense for so much, no matter who's calling to play. Thanks for letting me rant as always, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, Henry Ruggs. We're going to play some Derek's car sound coming up a little bit later on. I'm hearing a lot about Henry Ruggs, and everything that I'm seeing and hearing about Ruggs is good. If it wasn't, I'd tell you. If it was obvious. You know, Ruggs plays in these celebrity softball games, and he hits home runs. He bowls 300. I repeat, he bowls 300. He's the second fastest receiver in all of Madden's video games. All of the things you hear about Ruggs, my sons crack up. And my sons are 20 and 18, and they follow him, and they're like, Dad, this guy eats more than anybody. He's always got, like, big food in front of him. And he put on this muscle. And then today when I saw him, he looks unbelievable. But you're right. There's only one football. Ruggs is only going to get a certain amount of targets a game. I thought he would get targets. Last year, you have to throw out. You have to throw out last year with Damon Arnett and Ruggs and their injuries. Ruggs, they, they got COVID, and they were injured. What more do you need to hear? I mean, the guys are rookies. They got injured and they had COVID. So if you put that together, you have to wipe out that year. Unfortunate to them and their legacies going forward because you'd like to have a good rookie year when you're building your career to get a new contract. So Ruggs, it almost feels like Jonathan Abram's first year. When John Abram only played the first half of one game against Denver and got injured and never played again. Well, Ruggs got injured in the Carolina game. Gruden talked about it yesterday. He was never the same. So he had a long offseason, a long offseason, because part of last year's regular season, he wasn't available. It's go time. Look at the tape of him in Alabama. Now, those will argue at Alabama he was wide open, and he was. He's not getting wide open yet in the NFL. He's going to have to. He's going to have to play really fast, really quickly this year. And I think the Raiders need to put him in motion. I think he needs to catch the ball behind the line of scrimmage. They got to run some plays for him early where he's working off some motion picks where he's in motion and then he cuts to the middle of the field. No one picks him up and you and Carr's got to see it and hit him in stride. But as we said again, Derek's looking for Waller because Waller's open all the time and they got to get Waller the ball. 702-365-9200. Let's keep the pace going. Do what I do best. Watch me roll for this entire hour. It's the first day of training camp. Let's hear from the Raider Nation. Javier in Denver. Thanks for waiting, Javier. Go ahead. Uh, not a problem. Thank you, uh, JT, for uh, describing the new training facility look and feel, especially for us uh, out of state. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, living here in Colorado and listening to Broncos every day, uh, it's interesting to hear that they're having this quarterback controversy with uh, Drew Locke and Terry uh, Bridgewater, and mm-hmm. now that Aaron Rodgers is off the table. 
uh, I'm glad that we're not experiencing that. Um, but your caller, your prior caller, uh, nailed it. Jonathan Abram is the guy that I'm looking forward to see how he, uh, his role as a box safety potentially mm-hmm. with uh, Gus Bradley, you know, how that, that transforms. So that's the guy. Yeah, he's got to be lined up correctly, as you know. He's got to be in the right place. There were times last year where they broke the huddle on defense, and Jonathan Abram was not in the right spot, and no one was able to correct him. And I thought that Paul Gunther did the right job. Paul Gunther knew what the hell he was doing. He, he, they watched film with Jonathan Abram. They told Abram where he needed to be. Abram knew what his assignment was, and he broke the assignment. And he, he went rogue. And how many times last year did Jonathan Abram go rogue? and jump around or do something and be somewhere where he wasn't, and he got beat. seemed like most of the time he made a mistake, he got beat. It's Gus Bradley's job and Ron Miles' job, the new coach in the secondary, to make sure Abram is lined up correctly and doesn't go rogue. Right on, right on. Thank yeah, you for uh, representing us. Thank you. Thank you for calling from Denver. Again, I, I, this show would not work in Vegas by itself. You're hearing it. I get a call from Chris in West Oakland, a call from Denver. If I got paid for doing a radio show in Vegas, I'd go broke. I mean, thank God we got this mobile app, and people are calling me from all over the country. I'm trying to raise the roof of Vegas yesterday. I did a show yesterday on Mark andre Fleury getting traded. I got two calls. I mean, we got to get this thing moving, man. we got a vision for this thing. We want this thing to be great, 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 and it's only going to be great with participation because I can put a lot of guests into this show. But there are days like today that I opened it up to get you in here because I know you Raider fans and the ones who even know more than other Raider fans and me. You've been a Raider fan 30, 40, 50 years. If you know me personally, I treat you like gold. Gold. I know how long you've been a Raider fan, how much knowledge you have, and we want to get you knowledge on the radio. And especially today with the one Raider player at the start of camp, you're going to put on notice, 702 365 9,200. You know, Ruggs, interesting. Littleton, yes. I'm not hearing a lot. You know, we heard one or two calls on Jonathan Abram mixed in. Notice we're not hearing a lot of people talking about Trayvon Mullen. Not a lot of people are, uh, you know, pointing out Cleland Farrell. I was surprised by that because I think Cleland is in my top three of players that got to step up and play big. Uh, Let's get out to Mitch in Jersey. Mitch, you're up next. Thanks for waiting. How you been, Mitch? Good. How you doing, JT? Thanks. Good. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Thank you. Um, I expect I expect Farrell to have a big year, but I'm waiting to see what Edwards can put it together. He's mm-hmm. healthy. Um, I like his tools. Thanks for taking my uh, yeah. call. He's, yeah, he's Brian, pretty physical. Brian Edwards, you're saying? Yeah, Edwards. Edwards is really unique to me. He, I, I describe him as a bigger Des Bryant. And we talked about that today. Jesse Merrick from News 3 was here and Vinny Bonsignor, and we were walking into the building, and Vinny was telling a story about Oxnard and the Cowboys and Des Bryant. And I said, well, look, I look at this Edwards as a young Des Bryant, and we were all agreeing. Yeah, he's got that skill set. He's actually bigger. And Edwards is going to be in another position battle, I think, because I think Gruden is really into Edwards. One of the players that I know that John Gruden is really optimistic on is Edwards at wide receiver, number 89, because of his upside. He's got huge upside in the red zone. And they got to find a way to spring him open. He's got to get open and have big plays. And I think most of his big plays are going to be made not between the 20s. I think it's going to be in the red zone. 
Because when the Raiders get in the red zone, who are you going to cover? Who are you going to double? You would assume it's going to be Darren Waller. So he's going to be the tight end. If you line him up in the slot, which I think would be smart, you'd have to bring a linebacker over or a safety down to hit him at the line of scrimmage, and that creates a mismatch for Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro, who can run a slant, or Henry Ruggs III, who can run a slant. And I think what's going to happen this year is Edwards is going to run a lot of these corner routes to the corner of the end zone where he can go up for some jump balls. You know, Foster Moreau is another player that Coach Gruden is really big on. So you got a couple of guys that can go up and get a jump ball. Foster Moreau, Darren Waller, and Brian Edwards. So there might be a point where Carr looks at a 50-50 matchup and it's single coverage on Edwards and he knows that Waller is going to get double teamed and he knows that someone's guarding and lining up right up against Renfro in the slot and is going to try to jack him up. And he might look to Renfro first on a quick slant over the middle to hit him for a touchdown. And if that's guarded, if that's covered, I think that Edwards could be open for a really big corner route. So these are all plays that I think that John Gruden wants to expand on this year in the red zone. Look, the elephant in the room is Mariota had first and goal at the four in a game that could have put the Raiders into the playoffs. I really thought that that was the beginning of the end. Mariota first and goal at the four, and the Raiders didn't get in and settle for a field goal and lost to Justin Herbert. Uh, That, to me, was the beginning of the end for the Raiders. That can't happen again. First and goal at the five or four-yard line, the Raiders got to decide what they're going to do this year. Are they going to feed Josh Jacobs twice up the middle, hoping he can pound it in and then only have one play to pass? Or are they going to go wide and spread everybody out and then maybe go four wide with one back like Kenyon Drake, try to spread everybody out and really get a mismatch and get an easy touchdown where Carr can see someone wide open? I'd like to see more of that this year. I want to see more of the ease of this offense in the fourth year at Derek Carr and John Gruden where we're not seeing a two tight end set and a fullback at the goal line and everybody at Allegiant Stadium knows it's going to be a handoff up the middle and the pile hopefully moves it in for a touchdown. That will happen at times because of Josh Jacobs. But I think at other times the strength of the team is going to be the ability to pound it, pound it, and fake it and go off play action and throw it to Brian Edwards, who's going to be one-on-one in a 50-50 ball, and he's going to leap up, and he's going to leap a foot over a small cornerback and catch a really easy touchdown. 702-365-9200 when you want to get through. 702-365-9200. We're easily looking for one thing today. Who is the one player you're putting on notice as I'm sitting in the building first day of camp? Mike Mayock's in the building. Peter King's in the building. John Cruden's in the building. Everybody's here today. And I think this is a really important topic. I don't think I've done this before. Usually the first day of camp is fluff. Everybody's happy. Everybody's getting their jersey, their new hat. Everybody's happy. They're getting their new beer mug. Hey, man, we're happy to be back. I'm not sensing that around here. I'm sensing that everybody's taking this very seriously, and there's a lot of pressure to win early in the season. Coming up next, Lamar Jackson has COVID. Wow. He misses the opening of camp, and the Raiders' first opponent is Lamar Jackson. How about that? That's pretty big news. And Aaron Rodgers and Simone Biles, two really big storylines as we open up. Hey, Grimaldi's is back with me for another year. I don't know how many years it's been. 
But they know when I say Grimaldi's, everybody knows what comes out of my mouth next. The best pizza I ever had. Five locations in the Valley and the home of the $50 gift card on Raider Nation Radio. One, congratulations to both of them, you know. Um, that's, that's so cool, you know, like just as a fan of theirs, you know. Growing up, I was a huge fan of Seawood, huge fan of Mr. Flores because of where I, where I grew up, you know. And uh, getting to know both of them has been an honor to me. The countdown to Canton continues. Here's JT the Brick. JT, back with you. Open phone lines today. There should not be any. I'm at training camp. We're looking to see which is the Raider player that you're putting on notice to start training camp. 702-365-9200. As we begin the final half hour of the show, brought to you by the Henderson Hyundai Superstore. Not too far from here, Boulder Highway in Henderson. They have the super deals you're looking for. So easy to buy a vehicle if you're sending a youngster back to school, high school, first vehicle. Off to college, like I am, empty nesting in about three weeks. You might want to take a look. I would at the Henderson Hyundai Superstore. They have luxury vehicles, crossovers, and those award-winning Hyundais. Once you start paying for those cars and you see what the price is, you're going to say, what were you doing the last 10 or 20 years with the car payments you have? It's a life changer at the Henderson Hyundai Superstore. So we're looking at position battles and what players you think are on. Not so much the hot seat, just on notice. Saying it correctly, inside the building. I don't want to be taken out of context inside the building. Which players should be put on notice? I said my first one was going to be Damon Arnett, and I pushed through all that and told you why, for a lot of different reasons. Now the second player is Cleland Farrell. Cleland Farrell needs to have a great year this year. Not a productive year, because I don't know what his production is. He was taken number four overall in the draft when he was. I often tell that backstory. I was part of the MC group with Marcel Reese and Nicole Zalumas at Dre's nightclub. When that selection was made, it was a beautiful night a couple of years ago when we're all on the top of the roof of Dre's looking down at the Bellagio water fountains across the street where the Raiders were supposed to get the draft the following year, but it was canceled due to COVID. And I remember I had an earpiece in because we had to go on stage and they said the Raiders pick is next. And I was behind the stage with Marcel Reese and Nicole and the pick came and you could hear a pin drop a pin drop at Dre's, and it was packed. Sun wasn't setting yet. It was one of the gorgeous views I remember in Vegas. And one of the showrunners, one of the guys behind the stage said, JT, do you know who he is? I said, yeah. How would I not know who he is? I'm a sports talk host, and he was the captain of the national championship cleansing defense. I know who he is. Well, they said, go up on stage and talk about him. Really? Okay. (laughs) All right. So they did the bio on him and they put him up there and everybody was kind of shocked on ESPN as they were talking about him for a moment. And I went up there and I grabbed the microphone and they said, JT, tell us about the guy. And I said, Clemson, he can play inside, outside, captain of this team, all of these starts, the leader of Clemson, the national championship team. And then I went off and I went back behind and guy came up to me and said, that's a great job. Appreciate that. I said, no, it's my job. It wasn't a great job. That's what I got paid to do. But no one in the building knew who Cleveland Farrell was. 
they couldn't pronounce his name. And he became a Raider. And he showed up at the uh, he showed up, you know, for camp. And everybody saw him and looked at him and said, "Man, he's big. He's strong. And he's going to be a great player." Other than that, since he's been here, there has only been a handful of plays by Cleveland Farrell. A handful. You know, a fumble recovery, a tip ball, a sack, a tackle. He's got to play better. Max Crosby was drafted after him, and I believe that Max Crosby has been a better player. I think that's fact, not fiction. I don't think anybody will argue that. But the people who do argue that believe that Cleveland has more upside than Max Crosby, which is a fair debate because he was taken number four overall. So putting that all into a blender, what I just said, and coming out on the other side, it's go time for him. In his third year, we're talking about a guy who's looking to wrap up his rookie contract. When Cleveland Farrell was drafted, the upside on him was that he'd be so good that the Raiders would eventually franchise tag him. They'd have him under contract. They'd have him on a friendly rookie contract, and then he was so good that they could franchise tag him and find a way to sign him long-term. Now I put him on the spotlight because I think he's at a make-or-break point here with the Raiders. The Raiders are really happy with his energy, his body, his size, and strength, but the Raiders need him to play at a much higher level because he's very expensive. His rookie contract, when you slot someone in the top five, that's just expensive for a rookie. It's not quarterback money, but it's high-end defensive money behind Joey Bosa or Nick Bosa, excuse me, with the 49ers who the Raiders couldn't trade up and get. That would have been the player that the Raiders would have wanted was Bosa because he's a much better player than Cleland Farrell. And Cleland Farrell has to use Bosa as his motivation to play at a higher level, and I hope he will. I'm pulling for him. I think the world of him, I think he's a good guy but he's got to play at a much higher level there. So that's two. I have one more player that we're putting on notice before we wrap up the show. Let's hear from you, 702-365-9200. Derek Carr came into the media room a few hours ago. He started off talking about Gus Bradley and the impact that Gus Bradley's having on the defense since he's come to Henderson. The presence that Coach Gus, uh, you know, carries to the field, you can feel that, you know. Um, there's one voice. When he talks, all 11 eyes on that defense are looking at him, you know, and that's, that's impressive. You know, you, you, when you go into their defensive meeting room, you know who has the attention, right? And, uh, I, I, you know, I think it's good. I think it makes our guys excited. You know, they're tired of talking about all this stuff. You know, John Gruden said the same thing about Paul Gunther, and so did Derek. You know, they were tight with Paul Gunther. Paul Gunther was part of this family, and he got relieved. He got fired because the defense did not perform up to any standard, not at a standard to even compete. So everybody's excited about Gus Bradley coming in here. Uh, Card talked more about the defense and how different it is to see this defense and this unit on the field with this type of energy. You can definitely feel that that urgency and that that uh, that demand that he's bringing and they're they're taking. You know, it's one thing for a coach to bring it. It's another thing for him to bring it and the players to accept it and say, yeah, we're going to ride with that guy. And they, they've done that. So uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for him. Uh, we got tough challenge in this, in this division. You know, Gus knows that, you know. Um, but, you know, we're very, very optimistic, very excited. You can definitely feel a difference. One of Derek's legacies, and we hope his legacy is winning a Super Bowl and winning playoff games, and that's the next step for Derek Carr. 
But his ability to work with wide receivers in the offseason is incredible. I would put it at the top of the list. You know, Tom Brady does it a little bit, and he gets all the media coverage for it. But Derek does it more than Dak Prescott. Derek does it more than Kirk Cousins. All other quarterbacks around the league will tell you, Carr works with his teammates in the offseason, and he talked about that today with his wideouts. Really, with these guys, um, we spend so much time together. You know, I... I would challenge these guys in the offseason, you know, just to see what they would say. You know, it's our off time. We don't have anything that we have to do. But they'd be like, hey, let's throw it back. Perfect. See you at 545, you know. And they'd be like, deal. Like, every one of them to the man was like, yeah, see you there. That's pretty incredible because a lot of these guys moved to this new market out here in Henderson. And they're professional athletes, so they work out, they eat right, they run, they have personal trainers. When they're in the offseason and they're not with the Raiders here in the facility and Carr gets them to work. Carr picks up the phone or they pick up the phone and they are all on the same page to get out there and work. And Derek talked about that today. And he was asked about being in the system for the fourth year now with John Gruden, which is a big topic overall because it's make or break for Gruden and Carr this year in year four. Last year we brought Nelly and we drafted Henry. Uh, Zay can fly. You know, we got guys that can go Waller, obviously. We know that. Um, and then the O-line. And there's a certain time to, you know, I know based on our relationship now, it's, we're going on four years, so I know when he calls a certain play and when he calls the certain play what he what he's expecting, where he expects that ball to go versus certain coverages. Um, so early on it was hard, but now it's easy. I can't say it's easy. There's nothing in this game that's easy, but it's it's easier because I know it's expected. Yeah, I think that's very important that he has these guys on the same play page and they know they have to know their tendencies. And when you have new players coming in, that's why it hurts that Nelson Aguilar isn't here because those guys are on the same page from all the work that they did preparing for last year, and Aguilar really stepped up. That has to happen this year with Henry Ruggs. Two more from Carr. He was asked about Gruden again and his expectations, which tend to be the same every year. I know what he wants, and... I've told you guys a hundred times, I'm just trying to do exactly what he wants, you know, every single time. And I don't do it perfect every time, but that fine line of, you know, if, if he expects the ball to go there, then now he expects the receiver to make that play or win, you know. And uh, and like he'll say, you know, if, if he can't win, we'll find another guy that can't. You know, if, if you can't throw it there, we'll find another guy that can throw it there. You know, that's just how coach coaches. And one last one, because we should have Derek on the radio. I get Derek on every year in the preseason. And it's about the turnovers. Can he limit the turnovers that he's had throughout his career, the fumbling, his ability to make good decisions in the pocket when the play breaks down? You know, one thing I did is holding the ball too long and fumbling, right? And watching and studying why. Why, why was it on those plays? Or why, was, it, was I drifting in my drop? Was, was it this or that? So uh, it, it was good to, to have that film because now I think we'll be better at hopefully limiting turnovers on those plays. Carr's been doing this a while, eight years of these type of press conference, and Gruden is the king of them. So they dropped uh, Gruden and Carr on us back-to-back the first two days. It's like going to see a concert. You get all the hits right out of the gate. You know when you go see a concert and right out of the gate, the first two, perf- the first two songs are the big songs? You open up with Gruden and Carr, that's a pretty good thing. Uh, let's get out to the phones. Tim in Sacramento, thanks for waiting. Go ahead, Tim. Hey, JT, nice to talk to you again. I'm a long-time fan of yours, back with your teams and all that stuff. But anyway, uh, I, my third guy, I think you just said it, was, was uh, Ruggs. I mean, it just gets frustrating every year when the first draft pick you got to look and say, well, who's that? And then especially like a guy last year, Judy and Lamb, you know, taking before Ruggs. And, I mean, they were kind of obvious. And, and 
it's just it's concerning. It's not alarming, and and we just want to win. I mean, I, I do feel as about the best I've felt since the 12-4 and four season with Del Rio and stuff. But, I mean, it's a long time coming, man. We need to win. Well, uh, we know. We're trying to figure out how to win. I mean, I, you know, we know we need to win, or you say you need to win. How, how, well, give me a reason why you think the team is going to win. This show's not about hope. It's about how they're going to get it done. How do they win more games this year and make the playoffs? Because they have to have two stud receivers. You have to. Whether one's a tight end, that's fine. You have to have two studs, in my opinion, with the passing the way it is nowadays, four or five thousand yards is becoming, you know, just date, you know, yearly thing. So you have to have two studs. And he was he was drafted as a stud and I believe in him. But I mean it's gotta it's 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 now gotta be primary, you know. Rice, you look back and you think, Man, how the hell he just is always open. It's just crazy and that's what he's gotta be. You gotta get open, and and open is if opens eight inches, then open is eight inches in the NFL. But you gotta get open. Yeah, I agree with you. And these are guys who are supposed to be able to get open. I mean, Edwards was a beast in college, and Ruggs was an all timer at Alabama when it came to breakaway speed and plays. And I think that Renfro has developed into a really good route runner who is greasy, slippery right off the line of scrimmage and can twerk. Carr loves using the word twerk and can get open quickly. I mean, you know with Renfro, if he's open in a half a second, that head fake and when he plants a foot and goes the other way, he's gone early in that route. And the ball's got to come out early. The offensive line's got to keep Derek up. That ball comes out. And the next thing you know, a guy like Renfro can catch a ball three yards into a route and get, get, get downfield for 12, 15, 30. I believe, and I think you believe this too, if the Raiders spread everybody out, they're playing Baltimore week one and Pittsburgh week two. Those are two historically very good defenses. Mike Tomlin, Jim Harbaugh, excuse me, John Harbaugh, the way he coaches, Wink Martindale, former Raider coach, defensive coordinator for Baltimore. Those defenses are rock solid, man. They turn it over. They go back, and these coaches who are head coaches go back to Ed Reed, Ray Lewis, Troy Polamalu. I mean, they got players that follow the system that's been in place. And based, I've talked to Rod Woodson about Pittsburgh's defense that stayed the same underneath Dick LeBeau, and the same principles are there. The Raiders and John Gruden understand the principles of the Dick LeBeau defense. Pittsburgh knows what's coming. The Raiders know what they're going to do against Pittsburgh. It's executing and players getting open and doing the right thing and doing their jobs. And I think you're going to see that this year at a much bigger level. It's going to have to happen at a much bigger level this year. Maui Raider, thanks for calling, man. Appreciate it. What's happening? How are we doing, JT? Just wanted yep. to call in and give my two cents on a, a Raider that's going to have to step up and uh, make a break year. And it's Jonathan Abram for me. I know a couple of the callers said the same thing, but you bring Carl Joseph back. Yeah, you, you hear how Gruden speaks so glowingly of uh, Nate Hobbs. Uh, so he, he needs to uh, stick back to the principles, do the fundamentals, still be aggressive, but at the same time, he's got to be at the right place at the right time going forward. Otherwise, uh, he's going to lose his job. Yeah, I you know, I hope he doesn't lose his job. I think because... He's really such a young player who's so inexperienced because he hasn't had just a lot of playing time. 
if he had the offseason that everybody's talking about, which is in the weight room and his speed and and his weightlifting and everything, he looks fantastic. I mean, he does not look like a safety. He looks like a linebacker. But he's got to cover. He's got to be in position correctly. He can't play hero ball. You know, that's a term, Maui Radio, you hear in the NBA where guy just wants to go one-on-one and take the game over. Hero ball. He plays a style of hero ball in the NFL that won't work in this Gus Bradley system unless he does his job and helps out his teammates by not being in the wrong place at the wrong time. He cannot be a liability on this defense anymore, and I think they're going to fix him. I agree with you. Hopefully we see that because the sky's the limit. Yeah, I mean, we have to see it. We have to see John Abram playing at a very high level. John Abram playing at a high level where he isn't a liability. He doesn't have to have a great game every game. I mean, he doesn't have to have 10 tackles and an interception and two tip passes. But what has to happen is we can't be talking about him getting beat twice in a game, once for a touchdown. Can't happen anymore. I, I agree. That, that, that touchdown to Kelsey uh, at the Allegiant Stadium killed us. And it was just him being playing hero ball, being out of position. Yeah, that was a really unfortunate play, and he's heard about it a lot. Thanks for the call. I mean, imagine being Jonathan Abram hearing about that play time after time again. Because remember, that, that play started, I, you know, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was standing behind Brett Musburger, and in the, in the booth, Jason Witten catches that touchdown to give the Raiders the lead. Think about that for a second. The Raiders already beat Kansas City. They're looking to sweep Kansas City. A future Hall of Famer in Jason Witten catches a touchdown, which is the game-winning touchdown. It's not a touchdown. It's one that's going to win the game at Allegiant Stadium for Jason Witten, who's going to have a gold coat in the Hall of Fame. And then Mahomes goes the length of the field easily and scores. But it was the last play when John Abram bit, and he came up to try to stop Mahomes from running. And then Kelsey just laughed and went right behind him and caught the easiest touchdown of his career. Well, how many times does John Abram have to see that or, or be told about it or hear it from a caller or from me? He knows. Now he's got to go out there and use that and as motivation. Motivation is everything for players when they get beat and they lose. And there's been a lot of losing going on around here, especially at home in this new ballpark, this new stadium. they got to win at home. John Gruden proved that he could have this team ready to win early and win on the road. Now they have to prove after this training camp and preseason that they can win at home at Allegiant. And they get another big test, which is very similar to the test they had last year with New Orleans. They opened up against New Orleans. Mrs. Davis, Carol Davis, lit the torch in memory of her late husband. You could hear a pin drop. There was no one in the building. I'll never forget that moment my entire life. Dead silence. You could hear the players running out onto the field talking to each other in the fourth deck. And then the Raiders beat New Orleans to go 2-0. and How would you like to go back in the hot tub time machine and take those two early wins from last year and bring them to this year? If I told you the Raiders were going to start off 2-0 and against Baltimore and Pittsburgh, oh my God, can you imagine what their record would be? This is a tough opening schedule. If they split the first two games, I'd be very happy. They want to win them both and could go 2-0 again. But if they can split those two games because Gus Bradley gets his defense off the field and the Raiders start making plays, then everything can change. That's why preseason so important and camp so important. they got to be healthy, physically ready to play, and highly motivated to win and play great right out of the gate. 
888-623. That's the night number. Thank you, Bobby. The day show number, 702-365-9200. When we come back, we have more sound of Aaron Rodgers, which is amazing to me. This is going to be my whole show tonight, talking about Aaron Rodgers and what he said. He mulled over retiring. Wants more to say about the Packer decisions. Could the Packers be regretting this? I don't think so, but after that press conference today, I can tell you who's in charge. This year it's Aaron Rodgers, and he's not going to slow down. We wrap it up next from Henderson. Whether we can win the big one, I'll tell you, I don't know. I think that's a, that is, a, you never know. I mean, we didn't we didn't know what we had when we had the, when we brought Jim Plunkett back, and, and he had already been around the league for over ten years, and he was able to, to deliver two Super Bowls for us. So I don't think there's any question. I think that, that Derek Carr has a physical ability. More from JT as the countdown to Canton continues. Yeah, ZZ Top lost a legend today. Wow, that's a shame. That's really a shame because from time to time, and Chris from West Oakland called in, and I got a couple of tweets on this today, when a rock legend passes away. And look, you look at Billy Gibbons, who is the face of ZZ Top, but Dusty Hill is right there with him. Uh, Rest in peace to Dusty Hill. Big fan of Vegas. Billy and Dusty come out here. They're huge in Texas, obviously. Uh, One of the great legends of rock and roll. ZZ Top bassist Dusty Hill passed away at the age of 72. So there are a lot of ZZ Top fans in the Raider Nation for obvious reasons. How many times have you been in a Raider tailgate and hear ZZ Top pumping? I think I saw Billy Gibbons with Raiders Raiders owner uh, Mark Davis recently. I think Johnny Katz tweeted out a picture of them together. So this is a this is a tough moment. Rest in peace and ZZ Top, one heck of a band. Uh, TR and Indy. Before we get to this Aaron Rodgers sound, how are you, TR? I'm good, man. I got one Raider player that I don't think enough people are talking about that's on watch on camp, and that's Corey Littleton. I think he underperformed, came in looking like top linebacker in the league, and just fell flat on coverage. And I think the Raiders are preparing because they drafted three safeties that are trying to convert to linebacker that can cover. And if he doesn't perform, I think he's off the hook early. Well, I don't think you can take him off the hook because he provides what the Raiders need. They need someone who's athletic in space who can tackle. And he proved he could do that in this league at a very high level with the Rams. So unless he forgot DR how to play football, unless he completely forgot how to play football or he's afraid of contact, which I don't think is the case, then, you know, I think he comes back and has a bounce-back season because I saw him today. He looked undersized and small last year. Last year was COVID. Right? Everybody looked different. He, he looks the part, and I know Gus Bradley's answered a lot of questions about him specifically already, so I think he's going to be good to go. That's the thing. Was you got Aaron Donald keeping the linemen off in that second good point. level. It's a little different. But when you draft Tanner Muse, Javon White, and now Divine Diablo, that says to me that they're waiting for him to underperform. Hopefully he doesn't. I want him to succeed. 
but I think he's got a hot seat if he doesn't perform early. Oh, there's no doubt he's he, – I would agree with you 100%. He's on the hot seat. They locked him up with a free agent deal. They paid him a lot of money. He already received a lot of his guaranteed money. But, yeah, after two years here, there's no way Gus Bradley's going to keep Littleton around if he doesn't play at a borderline, borderline Pro Bowl level. He's not here to be a guy. Nicholas Morrow was here to be a guy, a guy you put out there and you just hope he doesn't right. screw up, and he exceeded that. Littleton's right. a guy you brought in to go to the Pro Bowl – and he was one of the worst-rated linebackers in football last year. Yeah, it's just curious to me the drafting of Muse, White, and Diablo, who all are kind of that hybrid role that are bigger safeties that can cover. It says to me that they're preparing for him to potentially not succeed. Yeah, well, look, I appreciate the call. You know, Divine Diablo, who I'm excited to see because of his size and how you can morph him around. Everybody said the same thing about Tanner Muse. Remember when Tanner Muse got drafted? People are saying, well, he has a safety linebacker principles and he can go here and do this on special teams and all this other stuff. Well, let's see it. Let's find a way and see it. These are guys who played in college and were all Americans or close to elite players and got drafted in the NFL and played very high in the NFL. And then the Raiders gave him an opportunity to come here. That was Littleton. Morrow was a guy who I thought coming into last year, I remember telling Eric Allen that. I'm like, man, I mean, the Raiders have been looking for linebackers who can tackle since Kirk Morrison and Greg Beekert. I mean, how long does it take to find a linebacker? And that's why I wanted Micah Parsons in the draft. I, I, was, I did this show. I was leading up to the draft. I said, do whatever you can get to get Micah Parsons. And he ended up going to the Cowboys. That was the player that I wanted because I knew that he could tackle people in space. And he could, he could bust through the line, maybe make a sack, make a play. And he had a nasty edge to him. And I think they got that player in Trayvon Merrick. So what they didn't get in Parsons, I think they got in Merrick. What they're hoping to get and what Morrow is becoming, they already have that with Littleton. Wouldn't it be great if, if Littleton popped this year and went back to playing the way he did with the Rams and Morrow gets better? I'm going to talk more about it tomorrow, but I can tell you this much. People pulled me aside today in the building, who I know and I trust, talking about Nicholas Morrow. I don't know if they pulled me aside because they knew that you know, I didn't think much of him last year and they wanted to remind me of that, but he's the real deal. He's penciled in to be a potential captain on this defense. He can do some pretty good things if he can stay on the field and stay healthy. Fun day today. Really enjoyed it. I'll be back here again tomorrow. 7.30 in the morning practice till 2 o'clock right now when the show wraps up. No place I'd rather be than right here in Henderson at Raiders training camp. Uh, thanks to Frank Hawkins, who are exceptional. Jeff Sherman, who joined us. I do my show tonight from 7 to 10 p.m. on Sirius XM 82, and then I'll be back here tomorrow. And then next week at this time, we'll be gearing up to go to Canton with Tom Flores and his wife and his family for his induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Thanks to the Raiders for having me in the building. It's always an honor, and I don't take it for granted. Have a great day, everybody. Keep it here to Raider Nation Radio. Coming up with Q. Have a good night, everybody. All right? Take care.